Hey, St. Paul, welcome to episode three of our podcast on Richard Foster's book, The Celebration of Discipline. My co-host today is Tommy Bridges. Tommy, good morning. Good morning, John. I am so glad that uh, you are with us, and I'm excited about this journey. Last week, we talked about meditation. We're into chapter two um, of Richard Foster's book, and chapter two talks about uh, the uh, discipline of prayer. I call it chapter two, but it's the second discipline. I think it is chapter three. Prayer is one of those things that is frequently misunderstood. I can't tell you how many times, even myself, but people will share with me, uh, how how do I pray? What is the right way to pray? Why aren't my prayers answered? And in centering themselves around this uh, outcome-based discipline that finds ourselves looking towards what we might expect an answer to be in disregard of God's kingdom that's working around us. And I think what Richard Foster does in this chapter, Tommy, is that he repositions ourselves at least to tear down a lot of what we have been thinking prayer is all about and repositions ourselves or builds us back up to a place that is very biblical when it comes to the idea of prayer. C.S. Lewis wrote in, or at least is depicted of writing um, in Shadowlands, that, um, that the reason that he prays is not to change God, but he prays to change himself. And I believe that that becomes a foundation for us today, especially when we enter into this chapter. Thank you, John. This is a, a chapter that uh, centers, as you said, around prayer. And, you know, we have, we learned to pray at a very, very young age. You know, the simple little prayer before we went to sleep at night. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. What a simple prayer. What a simple prayer. And when you really think about prayer, prayer invites us into a continual communication or communion with God. And to pray is to change. And, you know, sometimes people will say, well, I'm too old to change. Uh, I don't want to change. I'm set in my ways. But prayer is the way that God uses to transfer us, transform, excuse, transform us into the likeness of Christ. And one of the truest and simplest prayers of all is this, this little serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom, the note of the difference. In Paul's writing, he reminds us constantly that we as Christians are adopted children in the kingdom of God. So if we focus our attention on maybe the, the parent-child relationship in our prayer life with God, it will make prayer a lot more effective. Tommy, I know that when I was growing up, I did not get everything I wanted from my parents. 
Uh, and and I thought, man, when I'm, I'm a parent, I'm going to change that. Every time I have learned with a 21-year-old, an 18-year-old, and a 7-year-old that it's okay not to give everything uh, that my children ask for to them. There's th- that, uh, but that still doesn't break the relationship, even though they may not get what they ask for. It doesn't break the relationship, and that's certainly the way it is with God, right? Exactly, and you know, uh, God, God knows better what's good for us than we do, and just as our parents knew from experience and uh, what was better for us than not, and I, I like you, you know, I couldn't wait to be sixteen. I couldn't wait to be 20. And, you know, wow, that was something. Everything's going to change when oh, that happens. Yeah, I get to make my change. own decisions. Yeah. So we, as we as we get older, we learn and we look back and say, you know, you know, dad or mom really wasn't that bad. They knew what they were talking about had I not listened to them, you know, or had I listened to them, probably a lot of things would have been different. But what I glean from this is that relationship, that confidence in prayer as a child is confident that their parents are going to give them whatever they need, whether it be uh, a breakfast or food or dinner or providing for shelter and clothing and things like that. I think if we can wrap our mind around the idea that we are children of God and he is a loving father and he wants to provide for us everything that we need. And as you said, sometimes it's not in our best interest. You know, God's ways are not our ways. So there again, praying and listening. You know, don't worry about what we should and should not say. It, it, don't get in some ritual about some coined or a phrase of how we should pray. Just pray like he is a, a trusted friend and someone that has our best interest at heart because we are his children. I uh, love what he writes in this um, in this chapter that prayer catapults us onto the frontier of spiritual life. And that of all of the spiritual disciplines, prayer is that most central because one because the main purpose of prayer is to usher us into this perpetual communion with the Father. And that goes so, so in so many ways countercultural to the way many of us approach prayer, that it is um, this twisting of God's arm, this this balance of if I do good or I deserve or I'm do this, then, then God's going to give me what I want. And I think starting that chapter that way, it's that invitation to say that God is not just one other entity to overcome in our lives to make it submit to what we want, but it's this place of spiritual communion, this place of a relationship, just like the parent and the child have with each other. Exactly. It's uh, it's amazing to me when you read uh, the New Testament, and especially uh, Paul's epistles, you find time and time again that after his conversion on the road to Damascus, 
he wholeheartedly surrendered his life to God. And that was his, that was his focus. That was his focus. And, you know, we live in a, as we spoke last week, a hurry, hurry, hurry world. Everything has to be done right now. Immediate satisfaction, gratification. And that produces in us a tremendous amount of anxiety, uh, worries, and cares. And in Philippians 4, he states something that I think if people would just keep this in mind, it would solve a lot of their anxieties and worries. And what he says is, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God will transcend all our understandings and will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ. Now think about what he's saying. When we are faced with difficulties or situations that we don't know how to handle or anxieties about whatever it might be, just stop for a minute and just just think about Philippians 4. Just think about it and watch what happens and just let him work his magic in us. Uh, turn all our worries and cares in, into prayers. And I read this is if you if you want to worry less, pray more. <laughs> you know, my grandmother used to say worry is it's like sitting in a rocking chair. It's a lot of work and it gets you nowhere. And uh, and I love I love that passage in Philippians four uh, verses six and seven, because all Paul is really inviting us to do is is lay at the cross, lay at the feet of God, which Hebrews chapter four invites us to do without hesitation and to present our requests and make them known to God. What Paul is telling, he doesn't say that in Jesus and in, in, in God will answer our prayers the way that we ask. What he does is, is that in our anxiety, in our worry, in our uh, our mind that is just so despondent about what's going on around us, we will receive peace. We will receive a revelation from God that he is with us, that he is ours, that imagery that God chooses to use that we belong to him as parent child, as shepherd and sheep. Uh, this is uh, as bride and groom. This is such a beautiful imagery that's repeated over and over in scripture. It's God giving us a peace. It's the peace of God that transcends all understanding. Absolutely. Us. And if we're true to our calling to emulate Christ, what did Christ do? He went alone and prayed. He prayed about everything. And he taught his disciples to pray, you know, the, the, uh, the Lord's Prayer. And if you just, everybody knows the Lord's Prayer. Just think about the Lord's Prayer and what it is saying. Just, just don't recite it. Just think about it. Think about what it says. And again, you know, one of the favorite hymns of all is, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. All Our Sins and Griefs to Bear. You know, it's turning that over to him. 
And one of the things that uh, I have a, a friend that has gone through uh, the 12-step program, and one of the things that uh, he constantly says all the time as he struggles, and it, it's been a wonderful experience for him because, as he calls it, it's a spiritual journey. And it's turn it over, turn it over. That's their mantra, turn it over. It's so liberating. Prayer yeah. is not to be something right. that is constricting, but rather it's supposed to be liberating. It's liberating that this is no longer ours to deal with. It's God's to deal with. Exactly. One of the things that uh, Richard Foster uh, mentions in in the section on prayer is, and I I think Paul refers to this again. I, I keep referring to Paul, but he's becoming one of my idols as far as the Bible is concerned, is uh, co-laborers with God. Mm. And it's a great reminder that God always meets us where we are and and slowly but surely moves us along that path to a, a deeper realization of who he really is. And, and you know, working with God it really determines our future. And if you think about that in every aspect of our lives, every part of our lives, if we'll just say, if we would just get this in our minds that God is with us, He is with us always, 24 uh, 7, on call all the time, no matter where it is or what the situation is. If we can ever believe that, okay, I've got a partner over here. And I can depend on him. And he's going to answer my prayer if it's in my best interest. And and that's a wonderful thing to keep in mind as we move forward. Prayer is that that central avenue, that central means to be uh, transformed by God. That's that's what happens inside us, is is what you're referring to, is is that we become transformed. It's not um, cause and effect that if I pray, then God's going to do what I pray or what I say or whatnot. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, God speaks to the nation of Israel through the prophet Jeremiah, call unto me and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and unsearchable or show you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. So the beautiful thing about that is that the answer uh, that the promise in that is that God will answer us. God will respond to us, that God uh, will show us. But nothing in there about, in, in a, even in the corpus of Jeremiah, that is really a lot of bad news for the Israelites at that time. It's this invitation to, hey, listen, I'm still on your side. I'm still with you. And what I want more than anything else is to be more than just this cosmic Santa Claus that you can do the right thing and ring the bell and I will come and I will do what you ask. He wants more of a relationship that Christ lives in us and we become more and more like Christ. And that's centered around a humility setting aside of our own flesh and our own self to become more like Christ. Exactly. I'm reminded uh, several years ago, 
I think a book was written on this little uh, prayer, the prayer of Jabez, you know, in, Love sec- that. in Second Chronicles. And it, it is, it's just a very simple prayer. And then the Bible never mentions this guy again. I mean, just just one little couple of three verses. And, and here's what he said. Oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do. Now, just think about that. Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain. That's it. And guess what? God granted his request. Very simple. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So, Tommy, how, how do, uh, what do you pray for? Is it, what, it, it, we find ourselves in a lot of times just <clears throat> wondering what is it that we, we pray for. And I, I think a lot of the subjects of the topics of my prayers are, have been, have been becoming more and more centered around those promises of God. Sure. I might, uh, be I, I certainly will be specific. I sure certainly will share with vulnerability uh, my heart's desire. But what I'm going to grasp onto the things that God has already answered are going to be centered around those. I'm not going to leave you, or I'm not going to forsake you. You, your heart will be guarded in Christ Jesus. I'm not taken by surprise. As Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 1.20, all the promises of God become yes and amen through Jesus Christ. Exactly. You ask me what I pray for or what my prayer life, it has certainly changed over the years. Uh, it was kind of like uh, you mentioned a while ago. It was gimme, 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 you know, uh, instead of what can I do? What do I need to do? Uh I know that uh, Kathy and I both have a, a prayer life that we say our prayers together every night before we go to bed. And those prayers are typically centered around as children or grandchildren or things like that. Keep them, um, bless them, ask what, what do we need to do to help them mature in their walk with Christ. Uh, that's something that we never fail not to do. And that's been very meaningful to us. As far as I am concerned, mine has more centered around the intercessory type prayers that for other people. Uh, I ask for, for, for guidance personally and for and when I uh, stump my toe, which is quite often, I I readily admit that and ask for forgiveness and Again, I think it's turning our will over to to him. Thy will be done. Now, there's a confidence, I think, that uh, permeates itself. And once we go along the uh, prayer life, as we mature more, and I certainly have matured to where it was, uh, and I need to go further into that to become deeper in that relationship with, with Christ and with God, but um, I go back to uh, something else that I read is we all should have the attitude of Christ. Hmm. When you think about that, what was Christ's attitude 
or we to elim- uh, um, emulate Christ, then our attitude certainly should change for our fellow man. Uh, you know, Thomas Merton wrote in uh, a wonderful book that I'm struggling through, <laughs> is No Man is an Island. And he's a deep thinker and a deep writer, too, as well. But his, his message is clear that we should love our neighbors as ourselves. And maybe if uh, our country would embrace that idea, we would be a lot better off than we are right now. And to to pray for somebody that we know is either uh, challenged with an illness or uh, some other issues that come up is to pray for them, that God will heal them and show them, give them guidance in their suffering, whatever that might be. Uh, I do that quite often. So there's been a progression in your learning how to pray. Exactly. How liberating is that, that even the disciples in Luke 11, who had been brought up in the Jewish community for so long, they knew what prayer was all about. How liberating is that for us that we can learn more about prayer and not just settle on what we think we know about prayer? Exactly. Uh, I um, I know that um, I have certainly felt a release, so to speak, and we all have uh, gone through some troubled times and things that we wish hadn't happened, but they did, whether it was our fault or not. But to come to the realization, what can we learn from that experience? Hmm. What is God trying to tell us through that circumstance? And we can ask him to guide us and show us, what What are you trying to tell me, God? Tell me in this experience that I'm having right now and whatever it might be. It might be a tremendous success. It might be a, a bad situation that we're dealing with. Uh, what are you trying to show me? What can I do differently to avoid this in the future? And I think that's where I've progressed to that point that I am really talking to God throughout the day. And Developing that relationship. Yeah, yeah. Even if I'm going to make an important phone call or meet somebody that, that uh, you know, maybe I don't know that well, I just say, hey, how about being with me in this? Okay? And how does that change your perspective that little bit of an invitation, like James 1, 5, if you lack wisdom, invite God, ask God. It's like when you invite God into what you don't know, I mean, like what you're going through day to day, moment to moment, how does that change your emotions? How does that change your confidence? How does that change your perspective? Oh, it's it's unbelievable how it changes your confidence and your and your peace with whatever happens. And, and basically what, what I do if, if I'm in this situation and that I find myself in that situation quite often in business and uh, you, uh, you'd say, Hey, uh, how about um, being with me on this, on this call or on this appointment or whatever we're doing and guide us to do the right thing. And, and there's a piece that comes from that. You know, it, it 
oftentimes it doesn't work out like we want it to. And sometimes you look back on that and say, wow, thank goodness that didn't happen. You know, that's in life too. Uh, I think there's so many things that go on in modern Christian lives. And I, I, as I reflect, I, I know it's happened in my own life where prayer is secondary. Prayer is even down on that list that, um, that life consumes us with the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And, and we feel anxious. We feel overwhelmed and we're unaware at least consciously of God's presence and guidance in our lives and how prayer, just the simple prayer going into what's next on our calendar or as we're driving or a celebration with Thanksgiving of weather and of nature around us, how that actually brings us in positions us once again in front of the cross, reminds us who we are, whose we are. And I think that's why Richard Foster calls this one of the central ways of bringing us into transformation by God, bringing us to perpetual communion with God. If we abandon prayer, we find ourselves unaware or not noticing what God and not expecting what God might be doing around us. Exactly. John, I just thought of something as far as prayer life and the maturation process in mind. I think a lot of people when faced with decisions or, or, or things like that, they, they would pick up the phone and call a friend. What do you think I ought to do? Uh, and that friend probably doesn't know all the facts. And so instead of doing that, why don't we make our first call to God? And certainly God puts in our lives uh, people that are, are trained to help us uh, in, in things, decisions, and things like that as we move forward in our careers and in our personal lives, in our spiritual lives as well. But that's one of the things that uh, I don't do anymore, hmm. unless it's, a, it's somebody that I need to call. Uh, but then again, I know that God placed that person in my life for right. that purpose. It's almost that that becomes secondary. Yes. The first call is not, what should I do? Or even, will you pray for me on this? Right. There's nothing wrong with inviting people to pray with you, only if it's in substitution of you actually praying too. We right. think that if we ask somebody, then, okay, all right, I got prayer around me. Yeah. And then we miss the actual purpose of prayer is to bring us into that perpetual communion with God and developing that relationship with God. Discover God in all, Tommy, as you mentioned, those moments of our days that actually has this real effect in us. Exactly. John, uh, a couple of things that I would like to, to mention as far as prayer is concerned. And I think in, in our nation, as we find ourselves right now, there's no question we're in turmoil. The nation is divided, unfortunately. But if, when you read the Bible and you see many, many 
uh, examples of divine intervention. And I want to mention one that's really kind of pops out at me, and it's Hezekiah, King Hezekiah. As we see in the Old Testament where Israel is constantly uh, under the threat of assault from the Assyrians and the Babylonians and the Egyptians and whatever. But in this particular case, the Assyrians who had massed this mighty, mighty, mighty army uh, to come and destroy Jerusalem. And they, you know, they do all the, the stuff about, you know, why do you want to trust in this God that your king is saying to do? So what does Hezekiah do? This is what he does. He goes to the Lord in prayer, and he says, O oh Lord our God, rescue us from this power. Then all the kingdom of earth will know that you alone, O oh Lord, are God. Lord, send us an angel to completely decimate the Assyrian army. What happened? The Assyrians pulled up camp, went home. Why? Angel of the Lord came. Divine intervention. And we go back into our early American history, and we see our founding fathers, Washington, Franklin, Jefferson, all those mighty men that really, when you think about it, put their lives at stake and signing the Declaration of Independence are going to war with the mighty power England at that time. And it's interesting to study Washington and his devotion to prayer, that he prayed for the United States and the prayer of Valley Forge. And if you know the, the history of the Revolutionary War, the Americans were just a ragtag army. They were no match for the British. But for time and time again, we see that divine intervention and Washington was, every morning, he would go into his library and kneel with the Bible open and pray for guidance. And that's, you know, I just hope and pray that our country can put God back in the equation. Um, one of the other things that uh, just is amazing thing that happened as far as divine intervention during World War II in May of 1940, uh, Dunkirk. When you think about probably 400,000 British and French soldiers stranded on the beaches of Dunkirk with the German army 10 miles away, sure decimation, sure annihilation, and what happened? The King of England, King George VI, called a national day of prayer to commit ourselves to the cause. I mean, the whole nation of England, of, of Britain, the British Empire, prayed for rescue. Three things happened. Unbelievable. Number one was for some unknown reason, and historians have a problem with this, Hitler for some unknown reason, decided to stop Field Marshal von Rundstedt from proceeding, only 10 miles away. Second thing that happened, a storm broke out in Flanders, grounding the Luftwaffe. And the third thing that happened is the Armado. The, the, the seas calmed 
where all these ships could come in, little boats, big boats, motor boats, whatever, came in and rescued those soldiers from Dunkirk. Unbelievable what happened. And on June the 9th, 1940, the King of England declared a National Day of Thanksgiving. Hmm. And one of the things that he read was Psalms 124. And pick up your Bible and read it. It's amazing what happens when we turn it over to God. They recognize that this was just not coincidence. No. This was by the hand of God. And sometimes that real that embracing that has can do nothing but transform us. Exactly. God is even concerned with us. Exactly. And just think, if we would just take those examples of divine intervention and integrate it into our lives, in our daily lives, and again, as I said before, you know, instead of picking up the phone and calling somebody else, call the one that the only one can really solve our problems or guide us through whatever we're, we're experiencing in that period of time. It is a wonderful, peaceful being to, to know that you have that access. And we don't have to have a priest to pray for us. We can go to the Father right now, whatever circumstances, whatever we need to do, or just say, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Circling back around to what you started by saying those simple prayers that we all learned. Yeah. I can still recite the blessing that our family used to, as I, as growing up, what we would say before we eat a meal or before I went to bed. And as life matured, as a young teenager, I never allowed those prayers to mature. I never allowed those prayers to be part of going to school or relating with other people or my first job or and I think that's what I missed out on a lot and many do this is something that we can still learn and we can step into and the invitation I think Foster makes on these inward spiritual disciplines starting with meditation now with prayer is at least we take a step towards it, whatever small step, whatever small gesture, whether it's the prayer of serenity or a prayer of thanksgiving, a prayer for the next thing on our calendar that centers around those promises that God has already guaranteed. Absolutely. Tommy, thank you so much for joining us and thank you for joining us, whether you're joining us on our website or through iTunes or Spotify. We, we thank you for being a part of this. And our prayer is for all of us that God would reveal himself in such a way and transform us through these steps of spiritual disciplines. Thank you again for joining us.